content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, January 11th, 2024. This is episode number 533 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I am your host, and I am happy to be locked and loaded to bring you the hotness of the cyber news of the day. I am Dr. Gerald Osher, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Semphilis, John Hoyt, Marcus Kyler of the Eat Crew, Kimberly can fix it of the mod crew, Sebazot, Chuck, James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. My man, Joe Hudson, coming in hot. All those folks over on LinkedIn, all the folks over on YouTube, first timers, long timers, and everything in between timers. We're all going to be going over the top cybersecurity news of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis of each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you apply this knowledge to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders today, tactically, or long-term strategically? And if you're new to the industry or you're looking to break in, believe me, we got plenty of chairs in the room. Grab one and make the circle wider. You are going to get so much value out of this. Believe me, Joe Hudson can attest to this. You will be asked in any single job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? This right here is a phenomenal answer. If you, you know, engage and pay attention, you're going to learn concepts, terminology, threat actors, techniques, de um, developments. Also, the networking is phenomenal. Look at Haircut Fish. Look at AD, Philip Martin, Stephen Mount, Johnny Five just coming off his birthday, Space Tacos, Say what's up. Engage. Networking is going to be your best friend. Believe me, I promise you we got a great show for you. Now, just so everybody knows, I don't prep or research for any of the stories that we're going to be going over. So I'll be cutting, shooting low on the hip on a train bound for glory as we do these stories together. Now, before I get into it, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors who allow me to get up here and flip out every single weekday morning with y'all. Start with my boy, Eric Taylor, and his crew over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions, guess what, y'all? They know exactly how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at BarricadeCyber.com. Priceless pancakes with the super chat. Wish me luck today. I gave a cybersecurity presentation to all 900 members of my org, and I'm slightly frightened. Oh, today I give it. Oh, yeah. Priceless pancake. You got this. You got this. Straight up crush it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. 
Go out there, deliver cyber risk reduction, make an impact. End user awareness training is so valuable as a control. You know who else could tell you that? Panopsi Security. Panopsi.com, you know, that's their website, but Panopsi Security is a partner who can help you build your cyber program in a meaningful, respectful of resources way. Go over to Panopsi, talk to Brandon Poole and his team over there. Whether you need to do a tabletop exercise, an enterprise risk assessment, strategic planning for 2024, you got some extra budget and you don't know it, whether to spend it on a firewall, an EDR upgrade, end user awareness training, multi-factor, you're rolling out YubiKeys. I don't know. You can't do them all. So which one's going to be the biggest risk reduction? If you're not sure, call Panopsi. They can help you. Panopsi.com, links in the description. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon, but more about them in the mid-roll. Guys, every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth one half of a CPE. So say what's up in chat, grab a screenshot, uh, file it away. And then every, you know, once a year when you have to file your CPEs, just copy all of them or archive the folder. Count how many you have, multiply by 0.5, and that's how many CPEs you got. Believe me, if you're here on the regular, you're going to get more than enough CPEs for your um, for your annual requirements. James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet coming in hot with a super chat. We just become best friends. Yep. James McQuiggan's offering priceless pancakes some support. You got this priceless pancake. I have confidence you will crush your presentation. You are the expert in the room. Hell yeah. Woo. All right. Sorry, Kennedy. All right, guys, I'm loving it. Uh, just so you know, I got the Citadel shirt on. I got the Citadel mug. I'm all branded out Citadel. No jaw jacking today as the Citadel semester starts today. So I'm going to be leaving here with the quickness to go educate the next generation of cadets at the Citadel. Woo, what an intro. All right, guys, we had fun. But guess what? If you're a first timer, say hashtag first timer in chat. If you're a regular, hashtag team SC. For Simply Cyber, we are one community. But our first-timers, we got special emotes and special sound effects for you. So identify yourself, make the circle wider for our newcomers, friends, and hashtag first-timer in chat. All right. Now, someone someone said we can't just have fun here. We have to do work, too. So sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome way. Remember, it is What's Your Meme Thursday, so we got a special joke for you at the mid-roll. All right, guys, let's get to business, okay? From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Thursday, January the 11th, 2024. I'm Steve Prentice. Texas healthcare provider suffers data breach. Texas-based care provider HMG Healthcare says that unencrypted files containing personal data belonging to residents and employees at 40 affiliated nursing facilities was accessed in August, although the organization only learned about the breach in November. HMG says it does not know exactly what data was stolen, but adds it was likely to be PII and medical records. In a filing with the Texas Attorney General submitted on Monday, HMG says approximately 75,000 Texas residents were impacted, along with an unknown number of non-state residents. All right. You know, as much as this sounds like a big story, there really isn't much to this one. So um, Texas-based healthcare uh, um, institution hacked. All right. So that happens all the time. Um, 
PII, PHI got out. That happens all the time. I mean, it's 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 actually quite frankly a sad state of affairs when this is like a uh, pedantic pedestrian, not pedantic, a pedestrian story um, in the news. Where like ten years ago, this would have been like, oh my god, my hair's on fire. Like, hold on, let me get let me get my dumpster fire emote. Like ten years ago, that's what this is. PII is personally identifiable information, Nicholas. So think of like a social security number address, something that you can use or a combination of some things you can use to pinpoint like, you know, I know this is uh, Nicholas's, you know, address, or I know this is Nicholas's car, or, you know, I know this is Nicholas's family, whatever. So um, at this point, you know, there's two things. One, it was unencrypted, which isn't great, but I'm willing to accept that because for healthcare businesses to do business, they need to have access to the data, which is unencrypted, right? So you can't get to, you can't start throwing stones at these people and be like, encrypt your data, like encrypt your backups, right? But like, you know, for business operations, you got to leave it. Um, they said they don't know what data got popped. That's concerning and unfortunate. You're going to have to do um, a risk assessment, you know, like a, like a post-breach risk assessment to understand the scope and size of the impact. And also um, one thing that is kind of concerning to me that jumps out to me is like, they don't know what data got taken or compromised. Here's my thing. Like, if you don't know what data got compromised, how do you know that you've like contained the incident? They said um, this happened back in August, just so everybody knows. Um, and th this is a fact, okay. Especially in healthcare, but this is a fact in general. When you have a system or database or whatever that gets breached, like there was uh, an unauthorized actor, whether they're, you know, uh, threat actor or revenge seeking or whatever. It doesn't matter their motivation. If they get access to the data set, right? And you know, they accessed it, but you can't tell if they only access one record or the entire 10 million record database. If you cannot tell because of access audit logs or any type of telemetry, then you have to assume all were accessed. And I know that doesn't sound fair, but you have to err on the side of maximum exposure unless you can definitively uh, prove that they were not accessed. You don't get the benefit of like, oh, we don't have any evidence they accessed it, so that doesn't count. No, 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 no. Like you have to assume maximum uh, exposure, which is why, hello, this is why auditing is so important and so valuable um, for not just systems and operating systems and network traffic, but also at the application layer, especially access, right? Who logged in? When did they log in? How long were they logged in? What resources did they access? Did they exfil? Did they just look? Did they click any buttons, right? It's a ton of um, telemetry to consume, but this is why, honestly, you should move slow and steady during uh, system implementation instead of the way that most people do it, where they're just like, jam it into the server rack, fire it on, flip, 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 flip all the switches. Basically, Marty McFly at the beginning of Back to the Future when he turns on that mega speaker amp and he's just like ding, 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 ding and turning everything to 11. That's what most businesses do with applications. But we do have to be mindful that if you do that, if you go YOLO on system de deployments, things like this can happen where you have no idea what the hell, sorry, Kenny, you have no idea what was um, accessed, right? So anyways, this company is going to get, you know, put on the HHS OCR wall of shame. They'll probably get some type of HIPAA fine. In all honesty, they might not even get fined if this is their first uh, infraction. Um, 
they'll just get like a stern finger wag and told to do better. And then, you know, if they get popped again in like a month or two, then they'll get a financial fine. But for the most part, they won't. The real victims here are the individuals whose data was compromised, not this Texas-based care provider. Yeah, they saw, they 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 took a hit on the chin, but like it's no one in an extent nobody listen, in 2024, nobody who's living in a like um like a care facility or like you're elderly or you have disabilities and you live in a facility that is basically has care providers there, no one's moving out. No one's canceling their lease because of this data breach. So the financial impact of this company, in my opinion, is pretty negligible. The impact is the citizens and victims whose data was taken because they can expect identity theft, spear phishing, fraud. Like, like get ready for that train. Choo choo. And again, throw throw your identity theft and the fact that HMG Healthcare takes your privacy seriously on the tire fire with all the other companies that take it seriously. The entire population of Brazil possibly exposed in data leak. Research performed by Cyber News has revealed that a publicly accessible elastic search instance may have leaked data on 223 million records of Brazilian citizens, possibly representing the entire population of that country. Elasticsearch is a commonly used tool for the search, analysis, and visualization of large volumes of data, and according to Cyber News, quote, the leaked data was not linked to a specific company or organization, thus preventing Cyber News from identifying the source of the leak, end quote. The cluster, which was located on a cloud server, contained names, dates of birth, gender, and taxpayer numbers. Cyber News confirms that this data is at least no longer publicly available. Yeah, okay. All right, so two things really quickly. Otto Camp Otto Campar Campo Rai Camparai. Sorry, Otto. I'm 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 butchering your name. I know I am, but Otto, first timer. Welcome, Welcome to the party, pal, and rifle instructor Samaron. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Let's get these emotes going, y'all. There we go. John McLean welcoming you. Welcome to the party, pal. All right, so here we go. This right here, all day long, this is a, a misconfiguration. Maybe a junior engineer did it. Could be a senior engineer. Could be somebody trying to get out early on Friday because they got tickets to like the game and they're like, oh, I got to get out of here. Um, you know, crap happens. Unfortunately, there are real consequences when crap happens. This right here, entire population of Brazil, okay? It says possibly exposed because... It sounds like it was exposed and then whether or not threat actors pulled it down. Um, whether threat actors pulled it down, I don't know if they did or not. Uh, essentially, there was a publicly accessible database. Go Google, go Google leaky S3 buckets. You'll find it. Um, this sucks. Obviously, um, the entire population of Brazil is pretty huge. This can lead to the same, the same old, same old, right? Spear phishing, fraud, identity theft, like, you know, just rinse and repeat. I should probably get that as a sound effect, so I have to stop saying it. Um, honestly, I suspect that this was a misconfiguration. Now, I've told you all in the past, you should have active monitoring going on to be able to detect this ASAP. So even if this company did have active monitoring, like as soon as the misconfiguration happens, you're exposed, Right. Uh, you, the back of your hospital gown is wide open. And if you are checking, you know, once an hour to see if the hospital gown's open, and if it is, you run over and tie it up so your butt's not hanging out, you're still exposed to that hour. So 
the the detection capabilities I talk about implementing to help protect yourself from this isn't going to stop it. It's just reducing the blast radius or the the time of exposure where you could be compromised. So um, this is huge. I mean, if I was a citizen of Brazil, I'd, I'd be pissed, obviously. Um, also, it just goes to show you how much data data brokers have, uh, where they have all this information on um, citizens of an entire country, which is pretty bananas. Uh, also, uh, real quick, um, I do want to point out, they didn't mention Elastic in Elasticsearch. Uh, really powerful kind of SIM technology. Um, Tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, right after the jawjacking segment. So tomorrow morning at 9:30 a.m., I actually have a video dropping on Simply Cyber that is like how to build a home uh, sim lab, wicked easy, wicked fast, and wicked free. So giddy up on that. Look forward to that tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, this is interesting. This is a good one, by the way. This is a good one for you to just share with your IT team or maybe your R&D people and just say, hey, I know using cloud-based databases is the new hotness. That Hansel's so hot right now. But just make sure you don't misconfigure the freaking database to be publicly facing if it's not supposed to be because we only get, we get one shot, okay? Play Eminem, that song from 8 Mile, one shot. Play that like on low in the background while you're giving this pep talk to the R&D people. We'd be like, dude, you guys go out and innovate and do all the things that you're going to do. but." Don't make the database publicly facing unless you need to, or else it's going to be, um, you know, hand sweaty, you know, uh, mom spaghetti, puke or whatever it is. I, I don't know the Eminem song, but right now, Joe Hudson just turned his baseball cap around and he's starting to beatbox. I know it. Decryptor for Tortilla Ransomware released. Cisco Talus has released a decryptor for the Tortilla variant of the Babook ransomware and has shared it with Avast. According to the Hacker News, it was threat intelligence that Cisco Talos shared with Dutch law enforcement that facilitated the arrest of the threat actor behind the operations. Avast added, quote, a single private key is used for all victims of the Tortilla threat actor, which makes the update to the decryptor especially useful, as all victims of the campaign can use it to decrypt their files, end quote. All right. What's up, uh, Dutch law enforcement? You know, Chief Wiggum, he may have had a little Dutch in him. Let's get the Chief Wiggums out. Um, way to go. Dude, I love this. You know, I'll tell you what. We are just getting crushed by um, ransomware threat actors day in and day out, right? So when we get one of these, I'll take it, man. I'll take a win. You know what I mean? I I'm, I'll take a win all day long. Uh, tortilla ransomware, hilarious. Um, some of the ransomware victim names are, some of the ransomware uh, variant names are funny, right? Tortilla is a good one. I like Akira personally. I think that's super cool. Um, Vice Society's got kind of a GTA 3 vibe to it. So anyways, um, free decryptor tool, definitely file this one. Share this in your in your cybersecurity network circles. Um Share this with like ISACs if you have, if you have, or you want to, because basically like for, uh, Black Basta is um, terror at their terror. I, I don't know. I've heard of Babook a little bit, but Black Basta, I know for a fact. I mean, I, I was at jury duty like in March and a guy asked to be excused from jury duty for the judge because he's like, I'm actively dealing with a black boss to ransomware infection. The judge is like, what's that mean? He's like, it means I got to go. And he's like, all right, you're excused. But like, dude, black boss is no joke. So 
it, you know, if there's a free decryptor out there, and thank you again, um, law enforcement, for both arresting one of the guys behind the operation and B, having this decryption tool available uh, through Avast, um, you're able to not be down. You're able to not pay the, the ransom fee. You're able to, you know, you can't stop. This is not going to get your data back, okay? So if your data was exfiltrated, you're still dealing with that problem. All this is dealing with is encrypted data at your, you know, site or your backups or whatever. Um, so it's a win. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's not for every ransomware variant. If you just got hit with Lockbit, sorry, that's not going to work. If you just got hit with something else, not good. But hey, you know what? Like I said, I'll take a win. I'll take a win. Bosch warns of nut runner vulnerabilities. <laughs> this is not the name of a malware, but instead is a cordless handheld pneumatic torque wrench used in automotive and other industries for safety critical tightening operations. Researchers at Nozomi found security holes in the Bosch Rexroth NXA015S. 36VB nut runner, which communicates via a wireless network to send data and receive instructions. The researchers found over two dozen vulnerabilities which could make the device inoperable, slow down assembly lines, or even change tightening program configurations, specifically the torque value, resulting in loose bolts or excessively tightened bolts. A total of 25 CVE identifiers have been assigned to the nut runner flaws, including 11 that have a high severity rating. <laughs> all right. Sorry, Kennedy. Um, all right. So a couple of things here. One, uh, one is like kind of obvious for everybody. And the second one I'll point out is an opportunity for everybody. So the nut runner, the nut runner um, tool, it basically it's a, this tool is basically an IOT device. That's all it is, okay? It, it's really cool. Uh, you know, engineers are running around on the shop floor with this nut runner in their hand and they're tightening bolts. And it can, you know, basically, you know, when you're doing precision um, machinery, right? Like if you're bolting an aircraft wing to the airframe, I, I know they do welding, but you get my point. You want to make sure that the, the torque on the bolt is exactly precise, right? We're talking German engineering here, right? So precision matters in these, like, say you're doing a um, uranium enrichment, um, um, one of those, oh my God, I can't even think of it. Like, but one of the enrichment uranium things, right? It, it is precision that you torque these bolts to the right thing. So obviously, if you hack in there and you increase the torque, you're talking like Stuxnet level um, manipulation and espionage of uh, of uh, compromising these things, right? But at the end of the day, this nut runner is just an IoT device, okay? Now, obviously, if you're running a nut runner in your environment, um, you'd want to fix this. Again, nut runners are not internet facing. You don't have your nut runners facing the internet, okay? You, they're typically going to be on like, like realistically on a separate network segment for these IOT devices. If not, they're at least on an internal network. So the, the opportunity to exploit is a little less. Okay. So, so, but what I want to tell you here, here's the opportunity. Okay. This company that did the research, Nozomi, the, the nut runner 
is just an IoT device, as I said. And chances are, it's not it's not like a web server. It's not some firewall or something like that. So like security wasn't necessarily paramount in the develop of the software. Secu like it probably hasn't been tested rigorously by pen testers and bug bounty people and stuff like that. So it is a rich opportunity. It is an unplucked flower. It is a it's a it's a farm full of produce that hasn't been um, uh, picked or tilled or whatever, an apple orchard that hasn't been picked. So for security researchers like Nozomi, they're trying to make a big splash and a name for themselves, right? It, it's part of a marketing effort by that company to demonstrate value, not just like, oh, hey, check out our blog post, but like, look, we found this stuff, associate high quality uh, CVE findings with our company. That's That's what it is. What I want to tell you as an, as an opportunity, if you could get like, for example, like these nut runners are probably not free, right? But like, if you can get some type of IoT device, some spe specific thing, there's probably a high uh, likelihood of finding vulnerabilities, getting CVEs, doing a big presser, right? Um, so to me, like that, that's the opportunity you should be mindful of, right? Like you can buy any IoT device and chances are you might be able to find some stuff. Now, like, a ring doorbell has probably been picked over, right? A Google Home device has probably been picked over, but a Bosch Nut Runner? No, you know what I mean? Like I never even heard of it until today. So don't sleep on the opportunity to do security research on IoT devices. It was very hot back in 2017. That Hansel's so hot right now. That was like the big deal in like 17, 18, like hacking smart light bulbs, hacking smart, someone did a smart, um, a you know, female adult uh, toy or whatever you want to call it. Um, so you can go Google those things. But I'm saying in 2024, there's more tech still coming out. You could totally get into it. Everything's got AI in it now. So, um, oh my God, the Discord gifs for nut runners. Okay, that'd be interesting. All right, uh, let's keep going. And now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. Oops. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To see Vanta's platform firsthand and access resources plus a special offer, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That is V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. All right. Hey, what's up, mid-roll? Let's do this. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. If you're getting value from the uh, stream, whether it's entertainment value or it is educational value, hashtag nutrunner, go ahead and hit the like button on YouTube. It goes a long way. I don't, I'm not asking you so I can have a vanity metric and pat myself on the back. I'm asking you to hit the like button because it will literally trigger the YouTube algorithm to go tell other people who are looking for cybersecurity content on YouTube that we're doing this live right now and to come check it out. So if you want to welcome in more first timers, hit the like button right now. Shout out and thanks again to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and my friends, 
Black Hills Information Security's anti-siphon training. Anti-siphon training is disrupting the traditional training industry by providing high-quality cybersecurity education to everyone, regardless of financial position. That's right, you heard me. For zero dollars, you can get high, high-quality cybersecurity education taught by SANS-level instructors with hands-on practical lab applications. And I specifically want to point you to the two links in the show description below. One's for active defense and cyber deception at the end of January. It's a, it's a like, uh, you know, it's an active uh, class. Like you take it, it's not asynchronous at the end of January. And then right after that, the following week, the first week of February is the SOC core skills. That's it right there. And that's it right there. Both are taught by John Strand. If you don't know who John Strand is, he is amazing. And he is an excellent, excellent cybersecurity professional and learning from him has been impactful. So go use the links below, sign up if you have the time. If you're looking for that next challenge, that next opportunity, spend a few days learning from John Strand. You'll thank me later, I promise you. All right, guys, we got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Love offering everybody the opportunity to blow up their blow up their um, professional network. Listen, if you're in James McQuiggan's Valencia College class, this is a great opportunity to build a professional network. If you're a first time or just getting into this uh, industry or whatever, and you're looking for a way to connect with cybersecurity professionals, this is how to do it. Step by step, go on LinkedIn, step one. Step two, search for this hashtag, hashtag simply cyber community challenge, done. Step three, look for the people posting with it. We have baton holders. Timothy Libert is currently holding the baton. Timothy Libert, please tag somebody. Go find Timothy Libert's post and connect with Timothy, connect to the people who are commenting on Timothy's post and comment yourself. So five minutes for that active, uh, active process. And now everybody after you that comes and connects with the people in the comments is gonna connect with you, which is a passive building of your network. Five minutes a day for two weeks time, come back and tell me I was wrong. You're gonna get so much value from the network that you build on LinkedIn using this technique, I promise you. So, um, Incognito with a $20 super chat. Just Thank you, Incognito. Genuinely appreciate it. Thank you so very much. I see that blue badge coming around the corner. All right, guys. Hey, every single day of the week has a special segment. And today is What's Your Meme Thursday. Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish, does a special one. I was talking about, um, not Beyblade. Yeah, Beyblade. Let it rip uh, earlier this week. And here we go. Also with me is Eric Taylor from Barricade Cyber Solutions. And we are Beyblading it up. Thank you, Dan Reardon. All right, let's get going back into the news. Great work, everybody. Shiny Hunter's hacker gets three years. The U.S. District Court in Seattle has sentenced French national Sébastien Raoul, age 22, to three years in prison plus restitution of $5 million for being part of a phishing scam run by the Shiny Hunter's hacking group. Between April 2020 and July 2021, he and his team used specially crafted phishing pages that looked exactly like the login portals of their victims' employers. 
This gave them access to account credentials, which they then used to log into the systems of 60 companies stealing data, cloud instances, and third-party service provider information. FBI agent Richard A. Collodi, quoted in a press release posted by the United States Attorney's Office of the Western District of Washington, described Raoult's work as, quote, remarkably devious, end quote. All right. Hey, it's a big day for Chief Wiggum. Regulators! Mount up. Yeah, and this thing's got all the hallmarks of a, of, a, of a juicy story. This dude was arrested in Morocco. He's a French citizen who, who was operating in California. We've got international espionage. We've got spear phishing. We've got custom landing pages. Way to go, shiny hunters, you devious, devious individual. Uh, way to go for law enforcement for catching this dude, obviously. Um, no, yeah, Timothy Libert, please tag somebody. Uh in chat. Also, I see Deb Wiggly's in chat. Deb Wiggly. Deb Wiggly gets a Ric Flair woo. What's up, Deb? So, hey, listen, okay, here's the TLDR for this. Threat actors, they're gonna, they're like, you know, weeds. They're just popping up all over the place. You can mow the lawn and throw weed and feed down, and it'll kind of tamper that, but they're still gonna pop up next season or or like, you know, something like, like under your porch where you couldn't throw weed and feed. So, we just got to deal with it. And frankly, that's why we have jobs is because threat actors are going to keep threat acting. This dude's getting three years in prison. I would argue that is actually kind of a light sentence. I don't know if he pled out or he gave up some of his uh, co-conspirators or whatever, but three years is not enough for, you know, doing this. Um, secondly, and probably most important for the community here, um, this dude would send specially crafted phishing emails and, and basically direct people to lookalike landing pages. This is straight up like you can use, um, uh, what, what's that phishing landing portal? I can't think of it now. Black Eye. Um, Black, I think it's Black Eye. And then Social Engineering Toolkit. Um, you can easily set up these fake landing pages. Now, here is the TLDR. These 60 firms were not using multi-factor authentication. You are so dumb. Seriously. You are really dumb. I, I I'm you I'm 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 you're not going to meet a, a more like supportive, inclusive and positive person besides me, but I'm telling you, if you're not implementing MFA, what are you doing? Deb Wiggly with the super chat. Love me some Jerry. Hi friends. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks for the super chat, Deb. So, first of all, these firms weren't doing MFA because this guy would send them to a fake landing page, they type in their creds and then he'd log into them, which means there wasn't a second factor. Second of all, um Dude, you've like email security gateway. Like, let's get that in place and tuned up so these our end users are not getting the email. Second of all, educate your end users on like look at the URL. Take a minute. Like, I, I get that you can be tricked. I get that you can fall for it. This is why we do it. Um, this is a great opportunity. Like, honestly, instead of doing a phishing exercise where you fish your own um end users and then you know give them like some punitive uh education or training share this with them and actually show them like if you want to go next level show them kind of the workflow show them a fake landing page that looks just like your company's landing page and be like would you know the difference between this and that like threat actors are doing this all day every day you know add a little bit of um add a little bit of flair you know maybe some jazz hands or whatever to like spice it up but like, th this is all this is, dude. This is not complicated. This is, <laughs> this isn't complicated. The dude sent an email with a fake landing page and people put their creds in. Next. Toronto Zoo suffers ransomware attack. 
The zoo in the middle of Canada's largest city posted a notification on its website on Monday confirming that, quote, the animals, habitat support and care systems are safe and have not been affected by the breach, end quote. They also mentioned that the zoo and its website remain open to guests and under normal operations. Representatives noted also that the zoo does not store any credit card information. Its press release read, in part, quote, Unfortunately, these incidents are becoming more and more common, and we are grateful we took steps over the past few years to upgrade our technology infrastructure. End quote. All right, Toronto Zoo gets hit. The giraffes really stuck their neck out, and the monkeys are going bananas, but it sounds like the incident responders were able to get it together. News at 11. Okay, okay. Yeah, um... Okay, 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 okay. I, I just felt like I just felt like saying saying all that. Uh, look at this guy. Great, great artwork for that one. Um, so th- this is actually quite serious, though, because like you might initially think like, okay, like okay, a zoo gets hit. You know, maybe they can't uh, sell tickets or something, or you can't go online and see what the zoo's hours are. But like the animals are not impacted. Not true. You could see here habitat support, care systems. Um, you know, like there's things that are systems in place that help drive a zoo. And you know, dealing with wild animals is pretty is pretty you know specific, right? And I mean, not to get ridiculous, but uh, like let's play it a little out. Like think of the movie Jurassic World, right? They had those gates to keep velociraptors locked in. And then there was like a problem, right? Or even the original Jurassic Park, like uh, Nelson or whatever, like, uh, 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 you didn't say the magic word. He opened all the gates, right? So if there is uh, technology controlled access portals, keeping the tiger or the lion or the silverback gorilla or insert, you know, dangerous to humans, animals behind uh, gates, that could lead to a really big problem, okay? Um, so, you know, don't sleep on zoos. Um, Toronto's had a tough go recently. Toronto's library got hit also. Um, the good news is the zoo, I'm trying to see if there was any. All right. So sounds like they're still functioning as usual. There wasn't too much, uh, too much of an issue, but, uh, here we go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, BSEC. There we go. Hold on one second. I think it's raining here. It's not raining, but something is like something with a fan maybe is like over OP right now in my background. All right. Um, so anyways, this is, this is only really an interesting story because it's a zoo, right? They, they had a ransomware infection, no impact to business operations. They've recovered. I guess if I was going to give something to the community to be able to do something for cyber risk reduction with this one, I would just encourage you, a lot of organizations do not do business impact analysis. That's kind of a, that really is a critical piece of continuity planning. Most people just take backups and call it a day, wipe their hands clean and say, we're good here. We're taking backups. In reality, uh, when you get a little bit more, more mature as an infosec program and as, an, as a business, you would do a business impact analysis and, and you would say like, what, what do we do here? Like the zoo, for example. Okay. What is, what is important for us? What's critical for our business operations? Well, we need to be able to uh, sell tickets at the gate and allow people in. All right. What systems are required for that? This is what a business impact analysis is. Oh, well, we need the Stripe system and we need um, to link it back to like 
a file server or database server so we can send messages uh, to citizen or, you know, like, oh, we're running specials next week or whatever, right? Like whatever it is, okay? All right, well, then you've defined the systems, the data, the people, the workflows that are critical for selling tickets into the zoo. So now let's look at all of those pieces and, and say, if the Stripe machine goes down and we cannot take payments, what does that mean for us? And do we have a continuity plan for taking payments? Are we just going to let people in for free? If that's the plan, let's go. If that's not acceptable, then we need either a backup Stripe. We need um, you know, a, a secondary way to take it. We, need, we could take cash and use a hand, handwritten ledger. I don't know. That's not for me to decide. That's the business. But doing a business impact analysis exercise is hugely valuable. And again, you don't typically see it until the organization gets a little bit more mature because oftentimes they're not able to tell you what is a critical um, workflow and what's not. Turkish hackers target Microsoft SQL servers in Americas and Europe. Seemingly unrelated to the Turkish APT group Sea Turtle that we mentioned on Monday, a group of financially motivated threat actors believed to be working out of Turkey have been seen attacking Microsoft SQL Server databases to deploy ransomware. According to a report from cybersecurity firm Securonix, quote, the campaign named Returgence, that is spelled R-E pound sign T-U-R-G-E-N-C-E, appears aimed at organizations in the U.S., Europe, and Latin America, with the attacks ending either in a mimic ransomware infection or in access to the compromised environments being sold on to other threat actors. The attacks include executing PowerShell scripts leading to a heavily obfuscated Cobalt Strike payload designed to be injected in a Windows process, end quote. Win All right, so a couple things here. Uh, one, be mindful of this, right? Obviously, there's a sophisticated threat actor targeting businesses in Europe and America. Um, I'm, I'm hearing that Turkey is part of NATO, which would you know be surprising because basically it's Turkish entity hitting America and Europe, but that dude, threat actors, you know, there's threat actors in America that hit America. So, um, you know, this doesn't mean much. We've seen a uh, kind of an uptick in threat actor activity out of Turkey. So that's definitely something that's kind of, um, simmering on my back burner, as far as interesting things I'm noting for everybody in chat. Um, the, the T the really important thing to pull up here is this paragraph right here. Threat actors are brute forcing admin creds on Microsoft SQL server and then once they get in, they start executing OS level commands on the box. Okay, so let me let me break that down for everybody. And, and you know, here's the deal. If you are running SQL Server, okay, which is not uncommon, if you have SQL Server and there is an ability to access it from the internet, okay, you need to make sure that all the accounts that you can log into, including the service accounts, like the SA account and the DBA account and all those accounts, and including the DJBSEC account or whatever, like all the accounts that can authenticate into that box, they are not using default creds and they are using strong credentials. When they say threat actors are brute forcing this, they are basically running a Hydra or a burp suite or like insert brute force password attacking tool using a dictionary list of passwords. That's all they're doing. They're not guessing. They're not researching who works at the business, finding out their favorite sports team, and then trying variations of that. They're literally taking a rock you text and just jamming it in there and going and getting a pint down at the pub and coming back to see if they hit pay dirt. That's it. Now, once they get in, 
they start op executing operating system level commands because SQL Server allows, SQL Server is an application, but it allows you to execute down onto the Microsoft Server OS underneath it. And once they get in there, they just rip the hull open on your organization, install Cobalt Strike, which is a very powerful post-exploitation framework. And then you're, you're completely owned at that point. At that point, they're bringing in their friends. They've got a side door built in. They're like, um, you know, those Mucinex commercials where the mucus is like moves in, like in, and they're all like grubby and stuff. That's basically what the threat actor is doing with Cobalt Strike. Like they're, they're up in your business and like rooting them out. You need to just burn it down and start from scratch. All right. So. But you can stop all this pain if you make sure they can't brute force your admin creds, okay? Also, go threat hunting. Look for, um, there's probably IOCs for this mimic uh, ransomware and this Turkish uh, threat actor. There's IOCs for compromise. Go threat hunting. Look for those things. Um, and if you're interested in Cobalt Strike and how you might be able to obfuscate Cobalt Strike and run it in your environment, again, I don't want you to become a threat actor, but there are reasons to run Cobalt Strike. I'd encourage you to come to uh, tomorrow. Uh, today's Thursday. Come to Thursday's 4.30 p.m. live stream with this guy, Mike Saunders, the APT chameleon. Nobody calls him that besides me. But this dude, he can run some Cobalt Strike. He can obfuscate some Cobalt Strike. The guy is like, he's basically chat GPT for red team offensive security. He can just do whatever it is you need done and assume any identity. He is a wizard. All right, um, let's keep going. Those 10 BitLocker security update fails. Worldwide, users of Windows 10 are reporting problems installing Microsoft's January Patch Tuesday updates. KB5034441 was released as part of Microsoft's January 2024 Patch Tuesday to address CVE 2024-20666, a BitLocker encryption bypass that allows users to access encrypted data. Currently, Microsoft has only offered a workaround that creates a larger Windows recovery partition so that there is enough room for the security updates to install. Just a reminder, we have... All right, so here we go. Um, if you are responsible for patching in your environment, uh, usually IT does that, but smaller organizations, you, guess what? <laughs> Congratulations, your IT and information security. If you're running into this error, this is the deal. There's more information on this. It sounds like if you don't apply this patch, there is exposure of risk of being able to access encrypted data, um, which is obviously not good, right? If, if data is encrypted, it's supposed to be confidential and not accessed without permission. And if a non-authenticated, non authorized individual can access encrypted data. That's a wicked problem OVS. So make sure that you get this thing. Yep. You got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. So, um, giddy up on that. Um, if you want to fire it over to your it counterparts and just say, Hey, FYI, if you're interested, this is a whole thing. Um, and bring them some donuts, you know, it people love themselves some donuts or a nice Danish, uh, is always nice. Um, but Hopefully you guys are implementing this in a stage fashion. There is a best practice for rolling out patches. Also, I want to point out for uh, people who are looking to break in the industry, there is a role called vulnerability management analyst. That is um, basically you would be working with IT. You'd identify that your operating systems in your environment do not have this patch installed. You'd want it installed. So you would have to work with IT to get it patched. So just be mindful. 
like it, it's kind of bush league as a vulnerability management analyst to just see that these aren't being applied to the uh, operating systems in the environment and just fire an email off to IT being like, go, can you patch this? Like have some context, like, hey, I see that there's some issues with applying this. Can I help you? Try to be part of the solution, not not just like whatever, you know? All right. Hey, uh, really quickly, I see SU passed the GCIH yesterday. Let's go with that. Nice job. Crushing it, uh, SU. Happy for you. All right, guys. I did go a little bit faster today because I do have to go to teach at the Citadel. If you were here just for the news, good, because that's all we're doing today. Reminder, later today at 4.30, Mike Saunders from Red Siege is my guest on Simply Cyber Live. You're going to love that. Here is where I'm going to be going in about 25 minutes. The Department of Cyber and Computer Sciences at the Citadel, where I am faculty, among other things. I have like five jobs, <laughs> which is insane. Oh, my God. All right, guys. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I absolutely loved today. Thanks so much. Hashtag Nutrunner. Um, we did a good one. Shout out to Joe Hudson. Shout out to Deb Wigley. Big fans of them. Shout out to James McQuiggan. Um, do, before I leave, I will... Uh, vulnerability management analyst is an entry level job. Oh, let me share something with you guys really quickly. Um, crap. Um, give me a second. I got to do this off stage. I got good news for everybody. I got great news for everybody. Oh, shoot. All right, I've got great news for everybody tomorrow. <laughs> Believe that. Hey, Nicole, thank you so much for the super chat. We just become best friends. Yep. All right, hey, I got a promise for you guys. Tomorrow, uh, we're, I'm launching a produced video at 9.30 a.m., jawjacking. I've, um, I've got you covered. I've got a big, big announcement for everybody, something people have been asking for that I'll make everybody aware of tomorrow. I've got to do something uh, in advance. Um, hey, can, we need somebody for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Alexia Grimes, you want to giddy up on that? Alexia Grimes? Alexia Grimes want to do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Let's get it. Hey, just so everybody knows, Slay Security Plus is at um, 7 p.m. tonight if you're interested. If you're studying for the uh, Security Plus certification and you want to uh, go to a live uh, you know, basically study session with Jesse Johnson and a million other people studying for security plus go check it out. I dropped a link in chat. This is awesome. If you are studying for security plus, this is definitely, uh, what you want to be getting up into. All right. Alexia Grimes, definitely. Hold on. We need somebody for, we need somebody here. All right, Alexia Grimes is in. We've got a confirmation from Alexia Grimes. Alexia, go on LinkedIn, post your story, and use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Tag me at Gerald Dozier PhD, and we'll get that pushed out. Everybody, go find Alexia's post and connect with Alexia. Guys, I really got to get out of here. Be well, everybody. Thank you so very much. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until later today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, stay secure.
Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one.